What's going on, Hogline Nation? Welcome back to the Hogline Podcast. I am your host, Mitchell Manis, alongside my co-hosts, Jack Manis and Andrew Schreffler. Welcome in, folks. You are listening to the 271st episode of the podcast. We are in the week, the bye week uh, before the Super Bowl. So no NFL games this week. It's a weird change of pace. I don't like it. But we're going to have to get used to it after uh, not this coming up Sunday, but the following one. But yeah, we will obviously preview the Super Bowl next week between the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Today, though, for this episode, we thought it was appropriate with all these coordinator changes and head coach hiring that we kind of talk about and react to all of those changes. Especially now that all eight teams ahead of vacancy at their head coaching position have been filled. Um, the most recent one being Dan Quinn being hired by the commanders, which came through today. So glad we got that one in so we could talk about all teams. And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to be talking about our teams, the Steelers and the Eagles, and the coordinator changes that took place in those two franchises. And uh, yeah, that's going to be our episode today. What do you guys, how are you guys feeling? I know there's been a lot of news. I think it was two days ago. I think it was around lunchtime. We had the, the, the Steelers offensive coordinator hire, which we'll get into in just a second here. We had the Ben Johnson news. We had, I think, Bobby Slowick stayed as well. Yep. So there was a lot of news all in that, in that hour, I remember, but yeah, how how has your past couple of days been in terms of digesting these NFL news? Fun. I this is always like, I mean, obviously because the Super Bowl is coming up, it's fun. But I always like this part too because it just turns into all out chaos, like rumor city. But I would say like my overall take, and we'll get into it with the coaches. But I was surprised that like after this entire conversation kind of being centered around like these young, bright, like offensive minds, the guys we ended up with as head coaches like mostly defensive guys. Yeah. Did we, I'm looking at a list of them now. So there's eight and five, five out of the eight are defensive minded. Yeah. The only, like the only like young, like I would say Callahan for the Titans. I mean, we'll get into them then, but like Canales and Callahan are kind of the main two. Who's the other, is Har- Jim Harbaugh? Harbaugh's technically an off, but he, he's more of like a CEO type of coach. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I qualified him as, a, as an offensive-minded one, but yeah, yeah. so that, that is interesting because I feel like the preference, I guess I would say, or, or I feel like at least fan bases want to lean towards the offensive-minded head coach, but sometimes you got to zig when everyone else acts, so. And you got to hire the best candidate. Right, Exactly. All right, so we're going to open today's show with talking about the Steelers and the Eagles. The Steelers uh, hired Arthur Smith, former Falcons head coach, to be the offensive coordinator, and the Eagles got two new coordinators in Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. Let's start with the Steelers. Uh, Do you want me to go first and kind of share my thoughts, Jack, or would you like the floor first? I know you usually defer to me, but if you want to go. No, you go first inconsistent in my takes in general i try my best not to be too reactionary and i also try my best to remove personal bias 
except when it comes to Tim Boyle. But that's another story. Uh, I, I failed. He's to like, he, I bet he's a nice guy. So that makes no sense. You're assuming. You don't know. You're assuming he's awful for no reason. You're assuming he's the worst guy in the world for no reason. So I think I'm probably closer to correct. Okay. Well, anyway, it's, Tim Boyle always finds a way to 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 creep into the Hogline episode. You. That's that's that that's how he finds a way. Okay. Anyway, I fail. Regardless, I, I I failed to do that with Arthur Smith. I was immediately critical, um, and did not like it as a lot of the fan base didn't as well. I'd say for the most part, there were some people that were optimistic from the get go. I mean, obviously, the reason for that is the most recent taste of Arthur Smith that we have is just the, the mediocrity that he exuded in Atlanta. I think they want did they go seven and ten all three of his years? Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I think had the eighth pick or the had the same eighth. pick. I think in every eighth pick all time. three years. Yeah. Resulting well, in eighth pick. Nothing but consistent, at least. Mm-hmm. Um. However, after a few days of digestion, uh, I feel like I'm more willing to be receptive and optimistic uh, and have a glass half full mentality when it comes to this hire. I- I'm the I'm trying to rationalize this and say perhaps maybe he was too far over his head being a head coach, and he's just one of those guys better suited to be a coordinator. Maybe he was hindered by just really bad quarterback play between Desmond Ritter and, and Taylor Heineke, which I feel like that quarterback room collectively was probably bottom five in the league. And maybe he just couldn't overcome that. I'm also hanging my hat on the on his revival of Ryan Tannehill. I've seen some people, not not too many people, but saying, oh, Derrick Henry had his best two years when when he was the offensive coordinator. I mean, I I feel like you can't attribute Derrick Henry's success to, <laughs> to to Arthur Smith, but maybe you can with Ryan Tannehill. Um, he clearly had his best two years of his career in 2019, if anyone doesn't recall. In 10 starts, he had 2,742 passing yards, 22 passing touchdowns, and only six interceptions, and uh, coupled that with 185 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. 2020, he he had an even better statistical season. He had 3,819 passing yards, 33 passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, 266 on the ground, and seven rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, he got the absolute most out of Ryan Tannehill. I don't know if Tannehill's, the past two or three years, his statistical downturn has been more age-related or maybe not having Arthur Smith there, maybe a combination of the both. And, I mean, overall, another bullet point I have written down here is Arthur Smith's definitely way more qualified than any other offensive coordinator that we've had in Pittsburgh since Todd Haley in 2017, albeit the bar is pretty low, um, considering we had one of the worst coordinators over the past decade, probably. Uh, But nonetheless, he's definitely someone who's, I mean, excelled in this role in the past. And, I mean, it wasn't all bad in Atlanta. I feel like he had some flashes, but for the most part, his time won't be remembered for the good that he did there. It'll be more kind of um, not living up to the potential and utilizing the players properly. I mean, he, he, I guess, prides himself on like running the ball effectively, and I'm excited to see where that goes this year, especially with 
you know, our offensive line developing with Broderick Jones t- taking another leap into year two. Najee and Jalen coming off very strong years. I'm sure you guys saw that Jack definitely saw, but Najee and Jalen were one of two duos this year to have um, a, a thousand all purpose yards for the running back position. The other one being Detroit with Montgomery and Gibbs. So I think that's going to be a strong suit of our team. It better be. I, I'll say that. Um, but overall, I've kind of gone through a, a, a swing of emotions. It was more negative to start. I'm trying to look at it more optimistically now, but that's kind of where I'm at. It wasn't my first choice. Still isn't my first choice of who we could have hired, but he's the choice. So got to live with that. Jack, what do you think? Um, so I, I also, I share your sentiment. I don't love it. Uh, trying to convince myself on, you know, viewing it optimistically, uh, from the Steelers perspective, the fit makes sense. As you said, he's run heavy. We're a run heavy team. The past season and a half, our run, our rushing offense has been great. Uh, especially the latter half of this year. With both of these backs, Jalen Warren really blossoming, and Najee, uh, I guess, getting better as the season went on. Um, so, and I, I like Najee a lot, and I always viewed him uh, as like a Derrick Henry style running back. I kind of like a Derrick Henry light, and hopefully, Arthur Smith can untap that even further. So, I am excited about that. Um, what I. What discouraged me the most about uh, bringing Arthur Smith in, or like when we interviewed him and I, I I didn't want him, was not because of his head coaching failure in Atlanta. I really don't care much about that at all. Um, I, I'm sure I said here before I, I don't I don't blame I don't put good OCs that get hired into head coaching jobs like. Some guys just aren't cut out to be head coaches, and some just are cut out to be great coordinators. And Arthur Smith was in Tennessee. They had fantastic offenses in 2019 and 2020. Um, but what I didn't like the most, what why I didn't want him is because uh, I feel like we're failing Kenny once again. I wanted someone who's more pass centric someone who could center the offense around uh maybe that's not even correct because i mean centering an offense around a guy who may not be the guy is not smart but someone who's m- more of an expert per se in the pat in a, the passing offense to help kenny best maybe you know having a dominant even more dominant run game can help kenny more and that could uh help him develop more but uh i don't think he's he was the best candidate looking out for kenny's career and again i'm a Steeler fan not just a kenny fan but um i i I want a franchise quarterback (laughs) regardless of who it is you know i want our first round draft pick from not even well yeah two years ago i want him I just want a franchise quarterback. So I, I want the coordinator who's going to best set that up. I don't think Arthur Smith is the guy to do that. Um, he had some good years at Tannehill, but Tannehill was a vet at that point. He wasn't really 
I mean, he, he, I guess you could say he changed him. He made him better, but didn't like, wasn't part of the developmental process. So, um, yeah, but I'm, I'm kind of round on it a little bit. Um, another thing why I didn't want him, I think Mitchell agrees that we didn't really like him as a guy that much, but every, all the players. Yeah. In Tennessee and in Atlanta, as far as I know, liked him a lot. And that's really what matters. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Shref, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. I think, like, it, it was one of those things where, like, you see the headline, and I think, like, just because of how fresh Arthur Smith's time in Atlanta is in our heads, like, you see his name pop up, and you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, no. Um, but I do agree that I, I don't, I, I think some guys just aren't, aren't fit to be head coaches. Um, I actually think, cause I, we might get into it, but I, I think the Rams are interviewing Staley for the defensive coordinator job. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's another guy that maybe turns it around a little bit, but I think there's guys that just aren't made for it. And Arthur Smith realized that, um, he lands in Pittsburgh, I think for what he's going to want to do. I think the Steelers have the the correct, uh, you know, skill position players to do that for him. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I'm I'm on the same page as you guys. Where like I I'm also in the realm of like I kind of want the more like forward thinking, like kind of get with the times kind of guy. But at the same time, there are many different ways to win in the NFL that teams have proved over the years, um, and. I don't know. I think just I I think more than anything, I think based on the personnel that is there currently in Pittsburgh, I think this is a good fit. I also want to reiterate that uh we we kinda of opened with it how like digging where teams are zagging, how there's a lot of defensive coaches yeah. being hired. Uh I'm of the mindset, like I know this league is quote unquote trending to be a more passing league, which I mean statistically it actually is. Like there's pass teams pass more nowadays than they have. Uh, but I'm a fan of zigging where everyone's zagging and being a dominant running team. Uh, I think there's incredible value in running the ball that is kind of overlooked because it's kind of... It's not as glamorous, you could say, as, as throwing the ball downfield in like a high-power, quick offense that can score in any moment. Like Running the ball, controlling the clock, time possession, that's a huge underrated factor in the NFL. Uh, that gets overlooked nowadays. So hopefully, he, again, he could, uh, yeah, tap into a Russian game and make it even more dominant. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, the most recent example that I can think of that we're all very familiar with is the the twenty twenty two Eagles. That was a dominant right. rushing team, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So it, it can still be an effective way of just imposing your will and taking over football games. So. Yeah, we will see. Um, I I fear that he's not going to be given a fair shot by the fans. Uh, I'm I'm certainly willing to give him one and uh, see how it plays out over the season. But I can already hear the I don't know what they would say, Fire Smith, or I can already hear those chants ringing in my head. So because Steelers fan, like we're so scarred by Matt Cannon, we want something like. Like as soon as like so, like we do like a run run pass, like it's gonna be like, oh, this Canada offense is back. Get him out. 
Yeah, no, like we're, we're going to be impatient. Run. He might do a run, huh? run, run. Sure. Yeah, that, that might be better. Yeah. Last thing on him. Do you guys, if you don't, I do. If you don't I know, know don't look said. it up. Do you know how old he is? Said. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. Um, you say that next because I don't know what you thought I was going to say. Okay. Um, I'm going to say. I'm going to say. I'm going to say he's forty. Forty-five. Oh, I was going to go older. I was going to say 40, 48. He's forty-one. Wow. So he's still relatively young. I think it's the mustache. It's um, the mustache and like being like overweight. What I was going to say. Do you know what his dad? Oh does yeah, of course. Did for a living. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he. Um, Are you learn more? Yeah, he knows. I, I did, and and that was part of the reason why I initially thought, okay, maybe he could work out as a head coach, or just like coordinators, because his dad is uh, the owner of FedEx. Correct. This guy has yeah. any opportunity in the world; he could do anything he wants, but he wants to be coaching football. So, yeah, so you'd think he'd be like incredible, <laughs> like the best ever. I learned more about his background too. He was a uh, he went to North Carolina and played there, but injuries derailed his career, his playing career. Um, and then he was a grad assistant at UNC and then got his first job in the NFL with, could you guys guess? Do you know? Not off the top of my head, no. With the Washington franchise because his father, owner of FedEx, FedEx field. Uh, yeah, it was the connection there, but kind of realized that he didn't want to rise up in the ranks in the Washington franchise because of, you know, nepotism reasons. So he And also elsewhere. because it's Washington. So that may be play a part, yeah. But he uh had one season at Ole Miss and then he went to uh the Titans. He's been there he was there from twenty twelve to twenty whatever that was, twenty twenty, so like nine seasons. Um yeah. and went through a bunch of different coordinator and head coaching transitions with say with the Titans for many years. So and then Falcons and then here. It's just an interesting career path. Yeah. I'd say. All right. So we will see. I mean we gotta wait a long time but we will see how Arthur Smith's offense looks in Pittsburgh later on this year. Moving on to the Eagles, as I mentioned at the top of the show, hired Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Moore was once a hot name in the head coaching cycle, I feel like probably two, three years ago, but his name kind of sputtered out, and he finds himself as an offensive coordinator for his third different team in three years. We turn it over to Shreff. What do you think? What would you like to see him accomplish? And just your overall thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, this is another one that I think I had to sit with for a little bit. Um, and I, I, I kind of came to the to a similar conclusion where it's like, I, um, I don't know, looking at the other, like any of the other offensive coordinator hires, like I feel like they ended up doing pretty well in the grand scheme of things, at least for the time being. There's some positives and negatives. Uh, I'll start with the negatives for him. Um, I think his offenses that he has been uh, in control of have had a tendency to kind of lose their luster as the season goes on. Um, now, 
in the Chargers case, obviously there were plenty of injuries, including Herbert, that kind of derailed what was going on. But even even the first half of that season, I wasn't like crazy impressed by. Um, and then in Dallas, it looked good during the regular season and then kind of fell apart. And I mean, that's been Dallas's story forever. So it's one of those things where it's like it, you know, was Kellen Moore just just poisoned by by the cursed franchise that is the Cowboys, or was it actually Kellen Moore? Up for debate. We're going to find out this year. But either way, it's not the most promising thing. Um, the other thing that kind of like has me steering clear is like, I don't know. He he's been touted as like this like offensive like genius for the last what like four years or something like that, and he's just kind of been bouncing around at, at, at offensive coordinator. I believe the Eagles interviewed him for the head coaching job the year that they hired Sirianni, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I mean. I don't know. I don't have to make of that what you will, based on how how things are currently going. But like, I don't know. For someone that's been touted as this like absolute guru, I feel like the the track record hasn't exactly lived up to that. Um, now you know poss- what he is. What is he? More name than game. Could be possibly. We're gonna find out. We're gonna really M O O R E. We're gonna really find out. Um, but positives. Uh, I do think that the passing game is going to get a facelift, a big-time facelift. Uh, this past season, it was just, like, not inventive, uh, no motion. Like, whatever you saw was what you were going to get. Um, by halfway through the season, teams knew what plays were coming, uh, were ready for everything, uh, sending blitzes as often as they wanted to. Um, I think that's going to change a little bit this year. Uh, I believe the Chargers were, I think, seventh in pre-snap motion uh, this past season. Um, so Kellen is certainly with the times in terms of uh, kind of, you know, changing up the picture before the snap goes. Um, so I appreciate that. Hopefully he's going to incorporate that. I also, I appreciate it, and I think going into this offseason, he's, he's, a, he's a coordinator that's going to want three receivers. Like not not AJ Devante and Zacchaeus out there just blocking for fun. Like he he's gonna want more than more than AJ uh, Devante and Goddard running routes. So I would expect either through free agency or through the draft, I think they're gonna add another pass catcher because Kellen Moore is a guy that is going to want to spread it out a little bit, and uh, he's gonna have his way with that because especially because per all reports, like Sirianni is now completely hands off with like both sides of the football like he's very much just like an overseer now um which i could do a whole hour on that so i won't but um this is very much going to be like kellen moore's offense so he's going to get what he what he wants in, in a sense here um but so another part another facet of this i think that is going to be interesting is that his rushing attacks really have never been fantastic like certainly not what you know him for. Um, I think the the biggest key I think for me this season is going to be how how do him and Jeff Stoutland mesh with each other. Um, Stoutland being the uh, offensive line coach, but also the run game coordinator, and one of the few guys on this coaching staff that stuck around, which I kind of expected. He's been there forever, and like I, I didn't expect to see him leave. But this is kind of new territory for him now, where he's going to be. I mean, not new territory, but I, I believe Deuce Staley was the run game coordinator for a long time, running backs coach, run game coordinator. So Stalin is very much going to have to like 
learn how to blend his ideas with Moore's and kind of have it spit out what will hopefully be a successful offense. Um, but those two kind of finding some common ground and figuring out how to get the best out of both sides of it, I think is what's going to determine how how good this offense can end up being. Um, and then final point, I think just for the sake of Jalen Hurts, the one thing I do appreciate is that Moore is a is, is a you know a, a lifetime quarterback, knows the position inside and out. I know he didn't like have crazy success at the NFL level, but Dak Prescott has never said like anything except for he was like a fantastic teammate, a fantastic teacher, and I'm, I'm hoping that that can kind of transfer itself to Hurts a little bit because I don't know he he feels like someone that very much needs some guidance on some stuff here because I mean. I can talk about the bad offensive scheming and all that as much as I want to, but at the end of the day, there, there were some some glaring spots in his game that he regressed in this past season. So I, I think more than anything else, my hope is that Kellen can kind of get him back on the right track because I think that entire offense moves at whatever speed he's moving at. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, you, obviously I, I have Kellen Moore's uh, Wikipedia page in front of me just to, you know, get some refreshing notes on him. But it's kind of crazy how he was teammates with Dak Prescott too, and then he was coaching yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know what, that's I, unique. I don't, know. I don't think I've never heard of a situation like that career path either. You know, I mean, it's something that like, and that's why it's like this crazy thing with this offensive guru thing because clearly, like, he was like he literally went from player to coach. I think within like an off season. Yep. So like yeah, he clearly, got right. He got right into it. Clearly, it's yeah. there. The football mind is there. I just, I, I want to see it a little more in action. Yeah, I, I, I think my quick thoughts are. It's, it's similar to the the Arthur Smith news. Is it's not a super inspiring hire, but it's an upgrade. Brian Johnson yeah, did not work out at, at all. He was kind of a disaster, in my opinion. So I, I think it 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 raises the floor of the offense at least. Do you know what I mean? Is it going to light the world on fire and return to 2022 Eagles offense? Probably not. I don't, I don't think that's, but, I don't think that's possible. I, I very much come to grips with the fact that like, I, I'm not going to say that's not happening again. Like I, I very much realize that at this point. Right. But it, it definitely, I, I think this will trend them in the right direction at least. Yeah, so Absolutely. Uh, Jack, do you have any thoughts on Kellen Moore, or else we can move on to Vic Fangio? Uh, I don't. Yeah, just go right into Fangio. Sure, I've lead it off. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is another one where I'm just kind of like, I don't know, upgrade, absolutely an upgrade. I, I he Fangio from Desai and uh, Patricia is way more of an upgrade than Moore is from Johnson. I think, um, and I, I don't think that's saying much realistically. Um, yeah, I mean, the Eagles, more than anything on defense, need someone that's going to, like, reteach them how to play football, I think. Um, like, that's the best way I can put it. Like, by the end of the year, like, it didn't look like an NFL defense out there, like, whatsoever. Like, missing tackles, two guys covering one as one guy's, like, wide open down the field. Like, just, like, day one stuff that it, it seems like as things fell apart there, like, I think it seems like the coaching fell apart. I... I do think the decide a Patricia switch like maybe should have been a fireable offense based on what like what what transpired after they made that switch, um, but that's once again for another day. Um, but Fangio more than anything brings in experience and he brings in like a clear a clear leadership ability 
He's been doing it forever. Um, I, I will start with, I know Dolphins players um, did not seem to be upset that he was on his way out. Um, from what I have read and seen, it sounds like it was a mix of a couple things. One, it sounded like there were certain guys who maybe weren't thrilled about the scheme and the way things were going. Two, it sounded like Fangio has a very, you know, disciplinarian, old-style way of coaching, and I think there might have been guys that weren't quite on board with that. Um, so there's a lot, there was a lot of factors in it. But at the end of the day, he's been through many franchises that have had nothing but, like, extremely positive things to say about him, so I'm going to trust the majority over the minority on that one. Um, but with all that being said, uh, the Eagles have been trying to run Fangio-style defenses for the last couple of years. Um, obviously, uh, Jonathan Gannon was kind of the best example of that. Um, you know, Super Bowl didn't go great, but up until then, that defense was really fun to watch and just aggressive. Uh, the defensive line was as good as it's ever been. And, I mean, Fangio's the architect of this entire defense, so I would I would like to imagine that bringing in the creator of that is probably not a bad thing. Um, but I think in turn, because I kind of did this more in terms of, like, what I'd like to see... In terms of Fangio, for one, I'd like to see 11 guys who are on the same page out there. I don't think that's too much to ask for, in, considering we're this is the National Football League, the highest level of the sport. I'd like to think that 11 guys could probably be on the same page, so I hope he can do that to start. Two, um, I'm hoping that the Eagles not only... You know, I'm hoping that he's not only able to, um, you know, get the most out of these younger guys that they have on the defensive line, with uh, you know Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, uh, Milton Williams still pretty young. I mean even Josh Sweat's still like I think twenty six or something like that. So they're like we're getting to some primes of careers here that I'd like to see him get the most out of. Um, but on top of that, I'd like to think that after the disaster that was last year, Howie Roseman is probably going to invest in at least certainly a linebacker and a corner. I'd imagine maybe more than that, um, but. You know, the, there's going to definitely be an influx of, like, very young guys in this defense. So I think just getting all these guys on the same page and kind of just, like, I don't know, finding an identity. It was something that got talked about on broadcasts a lot and just, like, you know, uh, media and things of that nature. But by the end of the year, it felt like that defense just, like, had no identity. There was nothing they could hang their hat on of, like, hey, even if all else fails, like, we, like, we know that we're doing this well. We can stop this. Like, there was nothing. So... Just find an identity, man. I'm not... I don't know. It. <laughs> I need something. But... Ooh, I should mention too. The other reason I do enjoy it is that Fangio very much seems to be, like, based... He's he's born and bred, like, Philly guy. And uh, the way it seems, it feels like the defensive coordinator job will just be, like, his until either it goes poorly or he decides he wants out. Um, but, like... This feels like it would be his forever home, which I enjoy as an Eagles fan because it'll at least provide like a stability of some sort. Of some sort. So those are all my thoughts. It's another one where I'm like, yeah, in a perfect world, I would love to have gone with like a more, you know, youthful, like maybe new age defensive mind. But if you're gonna go with the with one of the more experienced guys, you might as well get a guy who like a lot of defensive coordinators base their defenses off of. I was going to say it is maybe a plus that he's from around the area, Eastern Pennsylvania. Yeah. But, but what you said 
that either he wants out or goes poorly. Isn't that any coach ever? Isn't that how any ending ending into a coaching? Well, ends? no, no, because it's either well when when I say once out, I I, I should have just said retired. I didn't mean to say once out because that because that assumes that he can maybe get like a head coach. But I what I meant to say is I don't think he's someone that's like looking to like use this as a stepping stone to get to like a head coach job. Okay, I gotcha. That makes more sense then. Um, I was gonna say, it wasn't there some type of tampering allegations going on with this? I should have mentioned that. So, yeah, this, uh, I mean, there was very much a realistic possibility if all went correctly, I guess, that Vic Fangio would have already been our defensive coordinator as of last year. So he was with them in like a, I guess like a overseer role, but he it's a consulting role. He was actually helping the offense. Apparently, he was helping them. I don't. I don't really understand exactly what he meant, but he was basically helping them understand like what they'd be seeing on like from the defenses they were playing. Feels kind of counterproductive. I don't know why you wouldn't just have him in the defense, but that that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, the Gannon situation. Basically, what I've gathered from it, and based on how it went with like because the Eagles like on draft night, I believe, like got that either second or third round pick from them. Um, that just kind of got like announced. It to me, it feels like what happened is Gannon was talking with the Cardinals before he was supposed to be based on the fact that the Eagles like you know got to the Super Bowl and all those things there's a certain time limit that like that that's why we didn't see the Mike McDonald hire for a while there like the you know it's the way it's supposed to go doesn't seem like it went that way and I'm not saying like I I don't buy into the whole like oh like he didn't care about the Super Bowl because he already had a job like I don't buy into that stuff where where it does annoy me is that it feels like based on the timing of it, it kind of blindsided the Eagles where they weren't aware that they should have been shopping for defensive coordinators. And I'd like to think that if Vic Fangio and the Eagles were aware that this was something that was going to happen, that probably would have happened. Um, so, you know, they got their guy at the end of the day, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. I think the Cardinals and Jonathan Cannon were, well, they were because it got reported and the trade was made. So it clearly happened, but... Yeah, it it basically just delayed the inevitable for a year. Okay, maybe I misunderstood then because I thought the tampering allegations or or what have you were had to do with him, his like abrupt leaving of Miami and then all of a sudden becoming the Eagles' defensive coordinator. But maybe I'm misunderstanding. Oh no, I don't think so. no. I'm I'm pretty sure I didn't hear anything about that. From what I saw with the with the Fangio thing, it sounded like it was a mutual parting of ways with him and McDaniel. I'm assuming the tampering you read about was about the Gannon situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe I just misread that then. Interesting and how that whole situation last year kind of is it relates to now with Fangio coming to Philadelphia. Exactly. Um, Jack, do you have any thoughts on Vic Fangio? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, I, I I have mixed thoughts about how he did with the, the Dolphins defense this year. I agree. Um, but I mean, he has a obviously very proven track record. You know, he's been in the league forever. It seems like, and um, was a head coach at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. The Broncos. Yeah, he's been coaching football since 1980. Yeah, yeah. for Dunmore High School. 
Yeah, and it, it's one of those things where, like, I, I understand, like, and I said it, like, obviously I would have preferred, like, a younger defensive mind, but I also think that there's something to be said for having a longevity like this, where, like, the stuff you're doing is still good enough where you're getting jobs and, like, high-profile jobs. Yeah, I mean, look at Spagnolo and the uh, yep. Chiefs. Yeah. Dick LeBeau was great when he was old for many years. It's uh, maybe defensive coaches age better than offensive yeah. coordinators. You want the younger guy? Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. He's a Philly guy, too. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll be inspired by, by the hometown, you know? I hope not. Yeah. Come on, boys. Fight. You know, something like that. <laughs> All right, let's get into these head coaches. As we said at the top of the show, there were eight. Uh, is that a, is that a lot? I feel like there's usually around that amount, right? Maybe a little less. Uh, maybe it feels like a little high. Eh, probably about right. Seems high. Maybe a little. It's one of those things where, like, I, I was trying to think ahead to next year. I was like, who could be gone? And then. Like at this time of the year, you're like, oh, they'll all be fine. And then we fast forward to like mid season and it's like, oh yeah, there's like six guys that are gonna get canned. Right. Well, we're gonna start with the Patriots here. I th- I believe it's team to announce uh the hiring. But it was Gerard Mayo. He spent eight years in New England as a player from two thousand eight to two thousand fifteen, and spent five seasons as the inside linebackers coach from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty three. Organization clearly trusts him. I mean, he's been there for you know fifteen plus years, minus a, a few years once he once he retired from being a player. He's very familiar with the Patriot way. Personally, in terms of my thoughts, I question whether they maybe should have gone with someone outside of the organization. Not that Gerard Mayo, I think he he he'll be a bad coach or that he's not qualified to be a head coach. I just thought maybe with so many years of Belichick, maybe you want something completely outside the organization to kind of reset things. Um, I think the team's success is, is largely going to be dependent on who their quarterback is. I mean, you could say that with any team, but especially with the Patriots here, who over the past um, four years haven't had that for the most part. So they have, they hold the number uh, number three overall pick. A lot of mock drafts have Jaden Daniels mocked to them, so we'll see if they go with him, trade down. You know, there's a lot of possibilities for the quarterback position for New England. Uh, they just hired Alex Van Pelt for their offensive coordinator job, who was previously the offensive coordinator for the Browns. Who, I, I mean, I feel like did a good job considering the the unstable quarterback position the Browns have kind of gone through over the past. You know, forever, but mainly since Van Pelt's tenure there. So that, I feel like that was a good hire. He was a name I, I probably would have wanted for the Steelers. So, yeah, I really don't know what to make of it. I think maybe I would have wanted to kind of go outside the organization. But, I mean, Mayo was there for, for Super Bowls, so he, he knows what it takes to win. So what are your guys' thoughts on Gerard Mayo? Um, I agree with you. I thought they should probably just hit a complete organizational reset, go outside the organization, but uh, Robert Kraft doesn't have much time left, <laughs> being honest, and uh, he probably wants someone he's more comfortable with, I guess, um, who has that 
as you said, um, experience with the Patriot way and winning Super Bowls. Um, you also said, I, I, I like the, the OC hire. Uh, little shocked that Van Pelt was let go by the Browns. I thought he did a good job keeping that offense together. I know Stefanski calls the plays there, but he did a great job. I, I mean, he had to have had a hand in keeping that offense together, losing Chubb in week two and going through four quarterbacks, you know, and still made the playoffs um, as the first wild card seed. Uh, but, I mean, this roster is is bones. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, and uh, I don't know, like, they're, they probably should draft the quarterback through it overall. Um, is Van Pelt the guy to mold that that young quarterback into a franchise guy? Like, Gerard Mayo, I mean, he coached under Belichick and played under Belichick for so many years, and like the Belichick m- model is, um, he was obviously more defensive and the CEO of the team, and I, I he probably let McDaniel's and Brady and whoever's there before McDaniel's, you know, control the offense for so two decades, um, and I, I don't know, obviously, but I, I. Assume maybe he's gonna follow that mold like the Belichick way, and I don't know. It's gonna be tough, but he seems like a a great leader. I mean, he they chose him right away. He, he was the first hire, I think, as you let off with, and uh, everyone kind of thought they'd go with Rabel once he got let go of the Titans. I thought he they would and they should, but um, I kind of like being bold here and going with the guy that they they wanted all along. So. Um. Yeah, Jeff. What do you think? Yeah, I'm okay with it overall. I uh, it 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 feels like the makeup of it is going to be very much kind of how it is in Houston, where I think Mayo's just going to kind of be like, I got the defense, Van Pelt, uh, have fun, like you do, you man. Um, I I do. If they don't take, like, I don't know, man. Like you, I understand the roster's bad, but it's also a situation of like how often are you going to be picking this high when it looks like there's going to be three like worthy quarterbacks going one, two, three. So like I, I think you got to pull the trigger there. So um, it feels like that's the way it's setting up. But yeah, I'm okay with it. I, I, I agree with you in a sense where like, I don't know, I understand like the whole Patriot way thing, but at the same time, I, I do think you have to have like the wherewithal to maybe like take a step back and be like, hey, maybe – 90% of the Patriot way was because we had the best quarterback of all time and maybe the best coach of all time, and we have neither of them anymore. So it, like, I, I don't think it's one of those things where it can just be like a one-for-one one replacement in any sense, and I'm sure they're aware of that. But, you know, I, I, the big thing for me is that Mayo's definitely going to have to, like, find his own his own voice in there. Like, he's not just going to be able to, like, pretend to be Belichick and it's all going to work out because it's not the way that works. Um, he's going to have to build his own culture in a sense, um, he obviously has the support of the organization. I do appreciate, like, I, I, I like the way they handled it with him being the first guy. Like they've, you know, I, I remember, and they've talked about this. I think last year they like the Patriots like announced that they were like beginning contract negotiations with Gerard Mayo. And this was when he was still, was he just the linebackers coach? Was that his technical role? They, they announced on Twitter that they were renegotiating his contract as a linebacker coach. And it's like, when does that, like, that doesn't happen. 
So they were very much leaving a trail of breadcrumbs for a while. So I, I appreciate the way they went about it. Like you said, Jack, like they had their guy, they got their guy as quickly as they could. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just hope for his sake that they're not putting like crazy expectations on him. Cause like we said, like this roster going into next year could like very well still be like a bottom five roster in football. Um, probably will be like there, there's so many needs that they have. So it's definitely gonna have to be a slow build. So I guess for that sense, like if you really, if you truly trust him to be like a, a culture setter and like a, you know, like kind of how Dan Campbell does it where, you know, that first year might not look pretty at all, but if you're going to stick with him and you know, you trust that he has the leadership abilities, then it could work out. So definitely, definitely was not surprised or upset about the hire by any means. Yeah, I like what you said. I mean, expectations are everything, and for the for the fans and the organization, I mean, to follow someone that put together two plus decades of sustained success at that level, to follow that is is a uh, is a is humongous shoes to fill. Uh, on the other hand, though, I mean, you guys mentioned the the lack of talent on this roster, which it is very untalented, but. We've seen many examples of if, if you hit on a quarterback, that accelerates things very fast. I mean, you look at – we were saying the same thing about the Texans a year ago at this time. They were yep, going through coach after – they were going after coach after coach. They couldn't get it right. They were just – you know, the turnover rate was so high. And then all of a sudden, they hit on a quarterback and look where they were. So, you know, things can change very quickly, whether that's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, or someone else. If they can get that position right, obviously that changes everything. All right, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. They hire Brian Callahan, who spent the past five seasons as the offensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals from 2019 to 2023. He was a pretty popular head coaching candidate for the past two or three head coaching cycles. Finally gets hired here uh, as the Titans and the successor to Mike Vrabel. I. I'm pretty optimistic for this hire. Uh, I feel like Callahan, you know, at, at first I'm like, okay, is his, is his success maybe due to Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and that the prolific players that they have? But we see this year, Burrow gets hurt uh, about nine, ten games into the season. And was hurt the whole year. What? Kind of was hurt the whole year. Yeah, kind of for the most part. Um, I wrote down here the seven games that Burr was out and Jake Browning started. They they still averaged twenty three point four points per game. I don't know where that ranked in the in the league during that span, but if you would have told me once Joe Burrow got hurt, hey, over the next seven games, how many points per game are the Bengals going to average? I probably would have said eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. I wouldn't have said in the twenties. So, although they didn't make the playoffs, they still finished with a winning record, and I feel like for the most part that offense. Still was I mean they still had some stinker of some games, but they did put together some good games and some wins down the stretch there. And that was also with T. Higgins missing a couple games. Jamar Chase missed a game or two. So I don't know. I think he did a good job and proved that he is worthy. And uh I feel like if you're the Titans, I mean, he's still kind of an unknown. He's never had any head coaching experience in the league, so you know that that's certainly a question mark that'll have to prove, but I'd I'd be optimistic if I were a Titans fan. Um, how's Jared feeling, Shreff? Have you talked to him about this hire? He likes it a lot. 
I think for good reason too. I'm I'm on the same page. I uh, I think one big thing for me is that like this dude, this dude comes from a football family. Uh, dad being Bill Callahan, and I feel like that that's like the ultimate dream. I think at least from from Jared and from other Titans fans is like they really want him to hire his dad as the O line coach. They did. Oh, they officially did. Yeah, they did. I they think it came through a couple hours ago. Well, look at that. Uh, that's awesome. First of all, especially for them, their O line's been a mess. So I mean, that's like probably the best you could do. I would imagine. <laughs> um, so that's cool, but. More than anything else, I, I was I was looking at some stuff, and at least from what I saw from a lot of Bengals uh, insiders in terms of talking to guys, one, like, wildly respected in that locker room, like, throughout the entire time. I believe he also – is he the one that was also with – he's been with a couple quarterbacks, right? Yes, I was going to bring that up. He's, he's kind of – well, he, he was with the Broncos on their offensive staff from 2010 to 15, won Super Bowl there, so yeah. obviously worked with, with Manning and then – Spent a year in Detroit in their quarterback room, so Stafford. Then went to Raiders. I mean, Derek Carr isn't. He's fine. So that's just another but guy. And then all, and then landed at OC the Bengals. Yeah. So yeah. Perhaps a bit of a QB whisper. Um, whether or not, I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're going to roll with Levis. I don't. They don't really have. They're not really in a position in the draft where they could. I mean, they could make a move if they really wanted to, but. I would be surprised if they did. I, th- I thought Levis at least showed enough where they're probably, they'd probably like to give him another year. Um, but uh, good offensive mind. And I thought one thing that I remembered uh, reading was that it, it one thing that people, at least in the in the buildings he was in, noticed was that he was very, very good at uh, kind of doing stuff based on what the skill sets were of the locker room. He, he's not someone that's going to come in with this, like, you know, boom, 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 this is my plan, like, we're doing this, like, my way or the highway, like, he's very much going to be, you know, receptive and trying to do his best to put guys in the best positions to succeed. So I appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, I think they were they were the first team after the, are we going in order of when they were hired? No, I was just, I just pulled up the NFL standings and went down the list. That's kind of That's how I did it. Was. I, I think he, was, I think he was first. I mean, I'm maybe sure. the Patriots were, but... Like no, he was like the Mayo, first Mayo outside was first, hire. Mayo was first, but it always kind of like it felt like Mayo might have been the guy. So this was yeah. the first like kind of out of the blue one, I guess. But, right. So it so it seemed like he was probably maybe their guy all along a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I it it seems like he's it seems like he's a guy that's maybe been ready to do this for a little bit, but just didn't have the right opportunity. Um, he's going to get it now, and he's bringing you know his dad with him. I think is going to be absolutely fantastic for them, but. Yeah, this is they very much committed. The Titans very much committed to a full rebuild. Um, it feels like you know some of these older guys are maybe going to be out of here going into next year. So it's definitely going to be a, you know, maybe a bit of a, a slower burn. But as we just said with the last team, you never know if you hit on quarterback. We still aren't completely sure what Levis is yet. So, but I don't know. It, this I'm trying to think. There's another one that I like a lot, but I would say this might be my. This could be my favorite hire. Close to it. Yeah. Um, and just a quick word on Bill Callahan as well. I mean, Titan, they really need it. Titans offense line was pretty bad. It has been for a couple of years now. So, um, yeah, they're really going to need that that pedigree in there. And, yeah, you, you don't get rid of Mike Vrabel if you're not going to do a full rebuild, right? So right. they, they right. have to expect... 
some growing pains there. Uh, any other word on Callahan, but we can move on. No, you guys hit everything I want to say. Okay. Cool. The Las Vegas Raiders retained Antonio Pierce. After the 2021 season, when the Raiders fired John Gruden midway through the season, Rich Bisakia galvanized the team to a 7-5 and record in a postseason berth. And it was after that season where Mark Davis decided to go in a different direction with an outside hire and hire Josh McDaniels. We all know how that played out. We knew how it was going to uh, go, too. <laughs> like it was the most obvious yeah. thing of all time. Uh, he did not make the same mistake twice, and he retained Antonio Pierce, the 2023 interim head coach. Uh, I feel like the players kind of didn't really give uh, Davis much of a choice. They kind of forced Actually, his hand. Certainly didn't. Uh, they they had a ringing endorsement of him, and uh, I mean for good reason. The the Raiders, I believe, were three and five when McDaniel's got fired, and they finished eight and nine. So Pierce was five and four during his time as the coach. Uh, the defense, in particular, improved a lot over the last of the nine games that Pierce coached. Um, I wrote it down here. They in the first seven games when McDaniel's was the head coach, they allowed twenty six point seven points per game, and then when Pierce was the head coach, they only allowed sixteen points per game. And if you remember, I mean, there was that game against the Chargers where they scored a couple defensive touchdowns, the game against the Chiefs on the road, I believe, on Christmas where they scored a defensive touchdown. So, I mean, defense improved a lot. I feel like that was not a coincidence. I mean, obviously, this is a strong cultural hire, and um, I don't know what to make of it going forward, but I feel like at this point it worked out too well to where I feel like this move had to be made. So. Um, Jack, you can go first. What what do you think about Pierce? Uh, I like it. I um, yeah, as you as you said that in twenty was it yeah twenty twenty one when everyone was kind of shocked they didn't bring back Basaccia. Uh, myself included, I thought like, hey, they made the playoffs and he with him they he got them together. He should maybe stay there, but it seems like he probably didn't even want to be head coach full time and like again and he like he proved he was good at like for whatever it was like half the season um but i don't know just being a special teams coordinator seemed like a true like football guy like then i guess the head coaching uh fit didn't wasn't right probably for him as well so i don't think it was all on davis um Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm I'm just kind of reminiscing back about how much that team, the 2021 Raiders, went through. Crazy, yeah. Which made me like everyone think like yeah. he kept he got this team to the playoffs, and I remember there was like a story after like he was like writing handwritten notes to all the players, like thanking them after this after they lost that playoff game. And uh, but I digress from that. Um, I like it. It's a uh, you know, he, he's not, Pierce is obviously, you can say he's a defensive guy, uh, a defense-minded coach. He's a linebacker and was our linebacker's coach, but, like, he he, he wasn't, like, a, 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 a defensive coordinator lifer and, like, was in, like, a, a defensive coach, like, in a bunch of places, like, um... His own his, this past year was his first year in the NFL as a any type of coach. 
was an ass- assistant coach at Arizona State um the past what was it three years um which I kind of like the I don't know the fresh blood in there not really brainwashed by like too many I I mean I I know I pumped up some guys previously and I probably will later in this episode of getting a lot of experience but uh I I kind of like how it's different and uh hasn't gotten the taste of too much of everything around the league and um I think his main role is just going to be like CEO motivator guy and I think people kind of look down on that like oh you're hiring a cheerleader as your head coach but like the players responded to it so well like they were so inspired for the second half of the season when he was head coach and Max Crosby threatened to retire not retire but demand a trade if if he was not back so that uh speaks a lot and um yeah they hired Cliff Kingsbury today to run the offense so I do like that. I mean, he's a guy opposite of Pierce, who's kind of like the the coordinator lifer. Of, he's been in so many places with a lot of quarterbacks. So, um, I do kind of like what they uh, what they got going on. I mean, they still have a lot of ways to go with their team and their roster, but this looks. Uh, I think I'd be pleased if I were a Raiders fan. Yeah. Drift, uh... you concur. Yeah, I pretty much. I'm trying to think if I had anything really extra there. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like I, I, I kind of said it with like Gerard Mayo. How like a big thing with him is going to be like having to kind of find his identity and like kind of have the players adapt to that. Pierce did that in nine games. Is that what it was? Like, yep. I don't know, man. It, it, it's a really tough thing to ignore at that point. And I mean, like we said, like the players definitely strong armed Davis a little bit in terms of doing it. But I would have been really disappointed if they went another direction with it. I think this is a team and just a franchise in general that has just kind of been like aimlessly wandering throughout the league just kind of not not being anything like you know maybe they're fun once in a while but it's never been anything good like more than anything they just they got to find like an identity I know I keep saying it but like they they found one he like completely embodies what that team was and it like it almost makes me wonder if like it it definitely feels like they're they were playing way harder for him than they were for McDaniel. So it's like, at the end of the day, if you're if you're a coach and you're getting the absolute most out of your players, that's what's going to come first before any type of scheme or, you know, offense or anything like that. Like, if you're getting those guys to give literally everything they have, even in what it was a completely lost season based on how the first half went, like, that, that means something. It very much means something. So, I don't know. I, I think especially in a in a division like that where you're going to be with the Chiefs, like. You know you're not going to be able to out X and O them like that's I don't think that's physically possible. So you got to find different ways to do it. So I'm I'm very much a fan of it. You know, maybe we'll fast forward a year or two from now, and maybe maybe the energy that he brings doesn't match up with kind of how they're performing on the field. But for the time being, that that is not something you want to mess up, especially when the players are are that bought in. Yeah, exactly. The the buy-in is 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 the bare minimum in terms of if you don't have that, nothing else is going to matter. So I, I do like what you said there. One, one question, and this is, this is a question we can consider all or throughout the next couple months and all the draft type and whatnot, but I just wanted to pose it right now uh, before we get into the next team. But Antonio Pierce spent time at Arizona state um, and got to witness Jaden Jane, Jane Daniels 
what, what do you guys think about that? Do you think there's any possibility? I know they're not in the driver's seat in order in terms of to pick him, but could they make a move? Um, do you do you buy into that theory at all? I come down to New England if they. I mean, like it's one of those things where like because because it feels like QBs are going to go one, two, three. It's basically going to come down if New England decides if they want to do it or not. Um, unfortunately, like yeah, Antonio Pierce, like him inspiring his players as much as he did, made it so that it might be impossible to go get him. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure. Not, I don't think it seems like many players dislike Antonio Pierce, but I wasn't that like not an amicable breakup between Jaden Daniels and Arizona State. Maybe, but I think there's was like major. What was Pierce, like what was Pierce like, coaching though? He was like an assistant head coach. Yeah, it, that's I mean, one of those things where it's tough. You never know what the actual like, yeah where it stems from. But yeah, actually, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to ponder. I mean, maybe he has a good relationship with Antonio Pierce, but didn't like the uh, the other coaches there. We we have no idea, but it's just something to monitor. I, I thought I found it interesting. Yeah, I didn't even make that connection. Was that Herm Edwards was Herm Edwards still the guy? Uh, I I think so. Yeah, no, I know he was there, but I don't remember the exact years. That was kind of a weird hire. He hadn't coached in like a long time. <laughs> Yeah, I just looked up, looked it up. He was the Chiefs coach from 06 to 08. Uh, this is Herm Edwards. And then he was Arizona State's coach from 2018 to 2022. So he hadn't coached yeah, for about that. a decade. It's, a, it's an interesting move, to say the least. The next team on the docket here, we have the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, perhaps bringing in the biggest name. I mean, it would have been Belichick or Rabel, but they didn't get a job here. But Jim Harbaugh. After finally winning the national championship after nine years at his alma mater, Michigan, from 2015 to 2023, Harbaugh finally returns to the NFL. Uh, he had a very successful NFL record in four years in San Francisco from 2011 to 2014. He was 44-19-1, including a Super Bowl appearance. I initially... My gut reaction, my initial reaction was to kind of fade the Chargers going into next year, kind of because of my personal feelings towards Harbaugh. I don't really like him. And also, I probably have a sour taste in my mouth from the last time we saw a major college head coach transition to the NFL, that being Urban Meyer. However, like I said with the Arthur Smith conversation, I have to remain objective. Don't let personal bias in when I'm making my... um my formulating my opinions on these teams. And also a major factor in this is Harbaugh has had previous success in the NFL. Urban Meyer did not. That's also, the biggest he'll difference. Also probably so. learn, he'll also probably do good at like learning the names of the players on his team. Probably. Too. Yeah. Not, not kicking the kickers too. Yeah. And he so. probably won't like take like a separate flight to like a bar or something like that. I don't know. And then have like a 20 year old grind on him. Yeah. In a bar where like him and his wife's picture are up on the bar. Yeah. I think that's a probably safe bet. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, also, to his credit, I do think he got the absolute best out of JJ McCarthy, who I'm not super high on as a prospect. So, in order to make him have a successful career, potentially get drafted in the first or second round of the NFL draft, 
and to win all those games, I think that says a lot as well. So, I mean, if I'm a Chargers fan, I'd be excited. I just don't really like the guy, but I'm trying to remove that. Try my best. Um, Shreff, we'll let you have the first word on this one. See, I'm the I I love him. Um, I I've never like I I never had a dog in the fight with like the Michigan Ohio State rivalry, so I just was just kind of a natural observer and. I don't know. He like he's just like he's just a crazy like football dude. Him and his brother both are like they didn't they just love ball. They love ball. Um, yeah, it, this is this is the ultimate like uh, immovable object versus unstoppable force. This is this is a head coach who has been so successful at every single level that he's been at versus a franchise that just cannot get out of their own way to save the life of them. So like it's going to be interesting to see who wins who wins this out um i know with harbaugh i think part of this comes with the fact that he he's definitely going to have a decent amount of control over a lot of stuff um so you're definitely putting a lot of faith in him but i i think he's a guy that's worth putting your faith in um and just like i mean it seems like just the ultimate like leader of men like there there's never been like a bad thing said about that dude like from the locker rooms like through all that like through all the cheating scandal stuff with Michigan, you saw like even like on TV, not only the players but like the assistant coaches. Like Sharon Moore was like crying in that post game interview, like just because of how like happy he was and like he was like did it for Harbaugh. Like they, they everyone seems to absolutely love this dude. He's a hundred percent gonna come in and shake up a franchise that was very much in need of getting shaken up. Um, and part of it too, uh, had have they announced coordinator hires yet or no? Not OC. I don't know DC. Um, I don't know if they've announced DC either, but something that was kind of getting floated out there was that he might bring Jesse Minter with him. Yeah, I, I saw that running, rumor, yes. Who was running just, I mean, the exact same thing as Mike McDonald, which we'll get into, but his history is crazy. The, the way that the Harbaugh brothers uh, kind of pulled this off. It's very, it's nuts. Cool, but nuts. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think he was the biggest name for a reason. And in terms of fit, I, I, I love it because, like I said, it's going to be the ultimate, like, viewing experience of, like, are the Chargers going to find a way to just, like, be the Chargers? Or is this guy going to say, we're, we're done. We're not doing that anymore. I'm excited. Uh, I, ho- I hope they're – sorry, sorry, one more thing. I hope they I hope they, I hope they sit there next year with egg on their face. It it would be way funnier if they still found a way to be the Chargers, but this is this is the most like hopeful I've been about them in a in a, in a very long time as far as Mitchell. Why do you dislike him so much? I well, first of all, head coach in Michigan, a, a, a conference rival of my alma mater. That's number okay. one. Number two. I mean, the cheating scandal this year, I just, that left a really sour taste in my mouth. And just his personality as well. I, I like John Harbaugh's personality more. I feel like he's more, um, trying to find the right words to put it, but put together and like, he has like a, a warmer aura around him. I feel like Jim has more of like a, oh, he's nuts. Like, uh, he's insane. Like a word I can't say type of aura. Sure. Sure. If that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. no, it does. <laughs> so okay. that that's my reasonings why. I like him. I mean I, I think I he's too. just like fun and interesting. He's like in a 
eccentric personality. Um, nuts in the best way. Yeah. I um however I'm not too optimistic. One he goes to one of my cursed franchises on that list, so that's something, but um he had great success at the college level, as we know. Um, and even success at the pro level for a stint there in, in San Francisco. Um and I don't really have much tangible uh argument to to back this up. But and I, again, I know he's had success in the NFL, but like, I feel like he, he's up. He's what? Like, he's in his sixties now. I feel like maybe his uh, philosophies in the NFL may be outdated, and just for some reason, I just don't really see it working. Like, I know he's the exception, as I just said, but college to elite college success, like Saban in the NFL, didn't work. Urban Meyer in the NFL didn't work guys who've taken collegiate programs to the top hasn't worked out. Like, it's just so hard to achieve both, you know? I would, my um, only pushback of that would be, though, like, Harbaugh, like, Jim Harbaugh already got to the peak of the NFL before he went to college. He didn't win it, but, like... Yeah, like and I... Guys, like, there is a track record there. I just feel like it's... The NFL's so different... Oh, it is. ...that, that sure. I, I've maybe... <laughs> I don't, I don't like, know. Like my, my the flip side of it for me is like I mean, the Michigan defense is now like what teams are looking for. Like this is like this is making its way to the NFL. So maybe like offensively it's a little different, but the defensive waves that are being made now are like coming from him. Perhaps, but I, I don't want to like belittle his intelligence because he's obviously a very smart football mind. But like. I fear that maybe he could model his success. Like he was successful in the NFL once. So like I'll just do exactly what I did back then. But that that was over a decade ago now, and the NFL's changed so much that I feel like it's just uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't, I I feel like it's just not going to work out. And bringing in his DC from Michigan just feels like. We're doing a whole college model again. Um, I don't know. It's it's gonna be weird. I I, I don't think uh, I'm not too optimistic about it. But again, like I'm not like not rooting for him. I, I do like him. I think he's fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's all I I really got. I think it's interesting how all three of us kind of had different perspectives. I feel like I like. Yeah. I feel like for the the first three, we were all kind of pretty much on the same page. And then we get to Jim Harbaugh. Shref likes him and is rooting for him or likes him and thinks it'll work out. I'm, I don't like him and I think it probably will work out. Jack likes him and doesn't think it'll work out. So we're all over the map. We're all over the place. I also think another, another thing I forgot to mention that, um, which kind of makes me a little, uh, pessimistic about it working out is, if they're and again, this is so many qualifiers here. I'm not. I don't hate him for this scandal. I actually a little bit am on his side. That I don't. I feel. I personally feel like he didn't. He didn't have like a huge hand in what went on the wrongdoings there. Uh, but I feel like 
a main reason why he took this job and so eager to get in the NFL is just to avoid any sanction or punishment at the NCAA level. Like, I feel like he was just, he obviously won the national championship and was like, it was a good time to like, you know, transition. Like I'll just move up now again. I mean, he was suspended though. Yeah. But I feel like there could have been more, uh, possible sanctions next year. God, that made me so mad when Moore it's was crying. When Moore was crying after the post game conference, like Harbaugh died. <laughs> Give me I a mean, break, dude. It. I don't. That that was ridiculous. I I I get why it could be a gripe, but I also get stressed. Like that just shows like how like much of a leader, like yeah, how much his guys like him. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't like ridiculous that he cried about it, but like if it, I didn't it, know it, if I didn't know anything about it, I would have thought he died. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. the way he was talking about it and acting, like the get Eagles, a grip, man. Eagles Super Bowl. Uh, Lane Johnson uh, ran out to the field with a with a Jason Peters jersey. Because he was because he was hurt and wasn't playing, and it looked funny. It's like he, he's on the sideline; he's he's there. Right. Jason's Jason's right over there, Lane. You know that, right? <laughs> All right. Anyway, we got to move on. Uh, the Falcons they hire Raheem Morris, who spent the last three seasons as the Rams' defensive coordinator from 2021 to 2023. Before that, he was in the Falcons organization for uh, quite a while. For Six years. He even coached them on an interim basis in 2020 when Dan Quinn got fired. Um, Raheem Morris is very well respected by a lot of coaches around the league. I'm going to take a, a couple seconds here to read some quotes from coaches that I respect a lot. Um, Mike Tomlin worked with Raheem Morris in Tampa Bay in the early 2000s. They even won a Super Bowl together. And he said, quote, Raheem Morris is the best coach that I've been around that doesn't have a head job. And he said that in the summer of 2022 on the Pivot podcast. Kyle Shanahan, who was with uh, Morris in Atlanta, said uh, in regarding Morris's hire, it's way past due. Raheem is one of the best coaches that I've ever been with. And then Sean McVay, who obviously uh, worked with Morris as as um in their time in Los Angeles over the past three years, said Raheem has a charisma, presence, and ability to communicate and connect with players that's truly unmatched. Atlanta hired an incredibly special coach, but even an even more exceptional person who will lead in the right way. Um, now, honestly, I don't have a ton of notes, and I don't know exactly how to feel about Raheem Morris. However, when three coaches who I respect a lot and who are very successful speak that highly of him, that definitely catches my attention. So I think it's cool that he's returning back to the place that he spent a little bit of time as a head coach at. And, uh, apparently he's one of the greatest coaches, um, that didn't have a job and now does. So I don't know what that means. I feel like Atlanta still has a lot of things to figure out, but that's kind of where I'm at with those things. And I, I, I think it's interesting how, cause Tomlin didn't have to say that. He was just on a podcast a year and a half ago and said that, you know, he specifically named Raheem Morris. Kyle Shanahan hasn't worked with him in, in many years and then commented on it. So these guys didn't have to say that and say that emphatically. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, Jack, what do you think about Raheem Morris? Uh, I kind of agree with you that, uh, you know, all the, those glowing remarks from all those guys is, is impressive. And, 
I'm sure he seems like a very well-respected guy and likable guy, and uh, maybe he could be a good leader and good head coach. Um, but I don't know. It didn't like excite me too much when they hired him. Like, okay, it's Raheem Morris. I feel like for some reason I felt like he. Well, I know he coached him at, as an interim in 2020. Was that when what did? Win get fired, yeah. And in twenty one, they hired Arthur Smith, so um, can't really like grade him too much on that. But I, I felt like he was a head coach prior, which I he I was right at check back. He was the Bucks head coach in two thousand nine, two thousand eleven. Wasn't really good then. <laughs> he we had a three and thirteen season and a four and twelve season in that three year stint, and then was fired. So, um. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Falcons don't really exude success, so um, that's a little also discouraging, but I think there is reason to be... There's 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 some reason for optimism there. Um, so... Also, in 2000... Looking at his resume now, like... He's a defensive coach, but then like thrown in there from 2016 to 2019, he was a wide receivers coach slash offensive pass game coordinator for the Falcons. Kind of, that doesn't make sense. Kind of odd. Other than that, he's been at DC everywhere or like defensive assistant. <laughs> so what were they thinking then? Hey, they made the Super Bowl when he was the offensive pass game coordinator. So yeah, but that was Shanahan. I know. I'm just saying. It takes a uh, Sh- Shref, do you have any other uh, thing, anything else that wasn't said on, on Morris? I mean, the only, the only thing I was going to add is like, in terms of the mindset of the Falcons for this hiring, I, I'm fine with it mostly because like, there's only so many, uh, you know, McVay, Shanahan, offensive minds, like kind of tree guys that are out there. So if you're not going to be able to get like one of those guys, then the next best op- next best option is get the guy that's been learning how to defend these offenses for years. Like like this is what the, that this guy's job has been to go up against these offenses in practice for a long long time. So in terms of the way that the offenses are trending and how those uh, the Shanahan tree of offenses is kind of what's been a little more successful in recent memory, I think bringing in a guy that can, you know has ideas and ways to stop it is certainly a good idea so i was uh i would say pleasantly surprised by the falcons the falcons always strike me as a team that's gonna you know do something funny with their hire um and i think the arthur smith hire going into it was supposed to be a good one it didn't work out that way but you know i uh more than anything Mitchell, like you said when you got three of the best in the game talking about you like that you're probably doing something right so i will i will choose to believe the guys who um do this for a living at a really really high level yeah and of course stating the obvious here it'll really depend on who their quarterback is and they can go in a variety of directions they could bring in a veteran like like it feels like it's heading towards veteran slash justin fields I mean, Fields is a veteran, I guess, at this point, three years into the league. But yeah, technically, yeah, it could be Fields, it could be Russell Wilson, it could be um, someone in the. Yeah, it could be a a lot of different avenues. So that'll be interesting. They're they're also in a weird spot because they're, I would say, their roster as a whole 
could compete. Yeah. I mean, they need the right quarterback and, and, uh, yeah, we'll see, but we'll certainly get the answers to those questions in a, in a couple months time. The news that broke today, Washington, the final team to hire their head coach, bring in Dan Quinn, who we kind of, Oh, I, I haven't gotten there yet. Well, I, I'm not necessary. I'm, I know we have one more. We have two more. I think we only have one more after Quinn. Two, we have two more after him. We didn't talk Canales or Oh yes, yes, yes. McDonald. Sorry. Yep. Sorry. Two more. Dan Quinn brought in today. Uh, we kind of talked him uh, or at least alluded to him when we talked about how he got fired from Atlanta. That was his last head coaching stint. But the past three years, he's been in Dallas as the defensive coordinator from 2021 to 2023. He had the 8th sixth and ninth scoring defense in those three seasons respectively so you know very strong body of work there he had five and a half seasons in atlanta he was pretty much 500 he was 43 and 42 he made the super bowl which they uh nearly won everyone knows about that i kind of question how much of that success during his time in atlanta was due to kyle shanahan and having a borderline quarterback uh excuse me borderline hall of fame quarterback and hall of fame wide receiver combination so i i don't really know but again he his work was impressive in in dallas and i feel like he potentially could have gotten hired last offseason but i don't know if it was his doing in terms of returning to dallas or that's kind of just the way things worked out I do think, I mean, they have the second overall pick, so Drake May could be in play, or Caleb Williams, or Jaden Daniels. You know, some of these guys who we we foresee being franchise changers, so someone that could come in and make an immediate impact could make his job a lot easier. Um, who was Washington? I feel like they just interviewed someone for their offensive coordinator job. Like is Bienemy gone? I don't know. I'm confused. Does anyone know? Uh, he, he I keeps don't know. In the dust. <laughs> does like yeah. does everyone hate him? Like is he maybe? Like, he just keeps I, like not like, getting the, opportunities. He must not be liked. Like they, they, they interviewed so many, and like Dan Quinn was like like basically their consolation prize for their head coaching hire, and like. They oh, still had a guy like who, like two years ago, he was like the hot name to get a head coaching job. Like I don't he know also, what like, wasn't happened. He kept not getting interviewed. Like there's something up with him. I don't know what. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the I this is as an Eagles fan, I I found this entire saga very very funny, um, and it kind of for me worked out well in both directions. I I've seen Cowboys fans like saying good riddance to Dan Quinn as as someone who got really mad at a defensive coordinator who did a lot of good things and finished the year on a bad note um, and then had to witness what I witnessed this past year. The grass is very much not always greener on the other side, and I and, and I hope Cowboys fans realize that. Um, I thought he was someone who, I mean, Micah Parsons is a fantastic player, but I thought he really was able to get the most out of him and put him in a lot of positions to win. Um, and, I mean, also, like, I mean, Trayvon Diggs, Deron Bland, like he, he's gotten a lot out of a lot of defensive players there. And it, it feels like that's been lost in what was a, obviously a very 
disappointing end of the season for them. But like I said, being in that position before, if I were them, I would I would be careful what I wished for. But um, on the commander side of things, it I, I saw someone tweet this. It, it it feels like the commanders were were playing musical chairs and like didn't hear the music turn off. Um, like I, it feels like they just kind of looked around and were like, oh wow, we're we're the only ones without a coach now. <laughs> um, and I obviously it feels like a big portion of this is that whatever the Ben Johnson situation was is weird and i don't know who's at fault for it 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 sounds like johnson but i don't really know but i don't it's it's just funny man like the commanders they they completely they clean everything they bring in an owner who's like wants to win like very much going to try to put his guys in the best position to win you bring in a gm from the niners who have been like one of the most consistently successful franchises in football the last however many years and you still can't find a head coach. Like, <laughs> they, they can't figure it out, dude. Um, I think Quinn's, like, I think Quinn's fine, but I, I think he's another example of these guys who maybe just aren't built to be head coaches. And it, it very much, I'm sure they'll come out and say, like, oh, we're thrilled to have Dan. Like, this is what we wanted. But it very much feels like a situation where they were like, oh, crap, we don't have a coach. Uh, Dan Quinn. I have nothing really else to add. I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's great to hire at all. And uh, yeah, as I said, it feels like a consolation prize. Everyone else was taken. But then, like, why not? I don't even think they interviewed Variable. No, they didn't. And like, this is or like they need an organizational reset. And like, Dan Quinn's just like not that guy. And it like should like it just it's it's so crazy. It should like you have the number two overall pick sitting there brand new ownership new gm like it, it feels like it should have been a pretty yeah good destination but i it's the commanders i don't know stink the stink is still there it, the stink is still stinking it's still there they haven't quite taken out all the trash it's gonna it's gonna take a couple more years at least uh, for that to go away the carolina panthers have hired dave canalis to be their head coach um, we spoke highly of Canales on our offensive coordinator rankings episode earlier in the season. Uh, he spent 13 years in Seattle holding various positions before moving on to be the Buccaneers offensive coordinator last year or this past season, if you will, uh, certainly helped revitalize Mayfield's career. He made a pro bowl, definitely probably had his best overall season and led him to a, a one playoff win, almost the second one. Uh, however, he will certainly have his work cut out for him in Carolina. I mean, this is a team and an offense. Speaking of, you know, a bones roster, as Jack put it for the Patriots. I mean, the, the Panthers, I, I have a couple metrics down for them. Their offense specifically yards per game, 32nd in the league points per game tied for 31st in the league first downs per game, 27th. Third down conversion, 27th. Yards per play, 32nd. So in almost every single metric you could possibly think of, the car, the excuse, not the Cardinals, the Panthers are bottom five in. And, I mean, Bryce Young, it just nothing looked right this year outside of maybe like one or two games where he kind of shined a little bit. But Hopefully, for their sake, Canales is the is the quarterback whisperer. They hope he is because they he you know they need a lot of work and 
I don't know. I, I it's real. It's a very big unknown. I mean, he has no head coaching experience, but it, it's just I don't really know what to make of it. And uh, we will see. I, I'm interested to hear your guys' thought if you're more optimistic. I'm not saying I'm pessimistic, but I just I'm kind of conflicted and don't really know how to feel. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I, I think for me, like from the outside looking in, it, it it feels like a hire where the Panthers knew they weren't going to be able to like get one of these top names out there. So it like as as good as I think Canales is, and as good as I think he he could be, it it's one of those things where it's like, do we think he's ready for it? And he certainly can be. There's no denying it. But it it definitely feels like a situation where they knew that they could maybe go a little bit younger for a guy that like, you know, all of a sudden an NFL head coaching job gets thrown in his face and he's like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. I, um, I don't know more than anything. He's just, he's going to be behind the eight ball with this. The roster's not good. And for me, the, the biggest problem is, is the owner. Like I don't, I, Mr. Tepper, as we would say, say it, say it. Yeah, Jack. Can you? Yeah, can you Mr. Tepper. There That's we go. Roseman, um, yeah, correct. That is how he's been saying that. Um, but yeah, I just when you have that guy at the helm, it, it it he feels like a guy that like is just gonna keep making like very rash decisions, and not only rash decisions, but like poor rash decisions. Um, I mean, I I think I saw something. I think the Panthers are gonna be paying three head coaches this year. Matt Rule is um, still getting paid. Frank yep. Reich's getting paid. Canales that, getting paid. That is infuriating if yeah, I was a I Panthers mean, fan. Yeah, so like that that's what it comes down to. Like I I love I loved what Canales did with the Buccaneers offense this year. Like getting as much as he did out of Baker Mayfield is very impressive. Like kind of rejuvenating Mike Evans and not that they were not that they fell off, but like keeping keeping them as relevant as they are. Like he he certainly brings a bright offensive mind for him. I just, I just think the situation around him is just—it's it, going to be a really tough one to overcome. Uh, I feel differently than you guys. I'm incredibly optimistic about this. Hmm. Um, for a couple reasons. Uh, I think the world of Canales as a coordinator. And being that QB whisperer, like he's fixed Geno Smith after a decade of bad. Geno Smith, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the next immediately followed, as he was his, the passing corner or quarterbacks coach there, and then immediately followed as the OC at the Bucks and fixed Baker Mayfield, who was previously on four teams in the past calendar year. Um, so I really, really like what he can do as a coordinator um, and trust his offensive mind wholeheartedly. Um, now, as I said many times throughout this, it's not just because you're a good coordinator doesn't mean you're set out to be a head coach. Um, I I think Canales fits fits the bill on that. He, uh, if you just watch him speak at press conferences, he has a lot of, you could tell he takes a lot of, I don't know, there's a lot of command in his voice and persona. Uh, 
as far as I know, people seem to really like him as a leader of that of the offense. I mean, I guess as anyone really. And also, what I like a lot of him was the uh, he is a true Pete Carroll disciple. Was there for all thirteen years of Pete Carroll's head coaching tenure with the Seahawks and. Uh, was with Pete Carroll in 09 at USC. So he's been around a, a very, very good head coach, great head coach, well, Hall of Fame head coach, Super Bowl, one Super Bowl in, uh, in Seattle. Um, so I really like the hire. I, if, I feel like if there's any young offensive mind to fix Bryce Young, it's going to be Canales. Now I'm not saying he will. I'm not a. I've never been a huge fan of the prospect of Bryce Young, but if they didn't want to do it, I think it'll be him. And also, it's just a huge challenge walking into this roster and franchise with the owner. Tepper today, or I think earlier this week in a, in Canales' opening press conference, he he even said Tepper said himself like, "I'm I'm I'm all, I'm out. Like it's the last you'll hear from me, guys. Like he's like not doesn't." I think he hears the voice of or the the everyone say this guy's way too hands on, so he's trying to take a step back. Thank God, I I, I don't believe him. I was <laughs> I gonna say I don't, think, I don't think that'll happen. He's but hey, maybe at least he's aware, so that's something. But um, no, I I think yeah, it's it's a travesty that they're paying three head coaches, but I. I I have belief they got it right this time, and it's gonna take a little bit. I mean, because of where this organization is, the worst in the league, without the first overall pick, <laughs> that's tough. So that is so tough. Um, yeah, long ways to go, but I, I do like I do like it a lot. Hey, I I really hope so. I'm I'm someone who yeah, took I, Bryce Bryce Young like in a rookie draft last year, and I, I I desperately need him to be good. So. I, I really hope he, he can do that. Okay. Moving on to our final team here, the Seattle Seahawks, who were the second to last team to hire a coach after the um, somewhat surprising, not dismissal, but um, parting, kind of parting ways, not really because Pete Carroll's still involved in, in the organization. But anyway, regardless, they hire Mike McDonald. Uh, the former defensive coordinator for the uh, the Ravens oversaw the third and first ranked defense in 2022 and 2023, respectively. I mean, they were just lights out all year long. Even in the playoff games, the defense was excellent. Uh, they made CJ Stroud, who pretty much could do no wrong throughout the regular season, look very pedestrian in the divisional round. They didn't even score an offensive touchdown. Um, and even in the AFC Championship game, Mahomes didn't really light it up. They only scored 17 points, kind of mainly on the offense and and th- that whole you know charade that they put together with not really running the ball and whatnot. We we you know we we could get it on to all that, but we won't. Anyway, Mike McDonald, good track record, walks into an organization that has had success over the past decade. You know different from a lot of these teams that are looking for head coaches. Like we said, the commanders, the Panthers, um, the Patriots, where it's going to be a real uphill climb. This is a roster and a team that had playoff aspirations, fell a little bit short, but still had a a successful 2023, you know, relatively to some other teams. 
Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see what this defense could look like, particular particularly what the young guys like Jordan Brooks, um, Tariq Wollin, Devin Witherspoon, what McDonald's influence can have on them, and see what what levels they can get to. So, um, yeah, I I, I do like this hire. Uh, I'm glad McDonald's out of uh, the Steelers division, uh, selfishly, but yeah, I, I I think they could have done a lot worse, um, the Seahawks. So, uh, what do you guys think? I love this hire. I was a big fan, and it, like someone who's been pushing for you know offensive coaches kind of becoming the future of kind of how the head coaching hires are going to work. I do think this is an exception to that rule. Um, I, I mentioned it a little earlier, but Mike McDonald's career path is very funny. So if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was the defensive backs coach for the Ravens like two years ago, three years ago, something like that. Um, Jim Harbaugh, or sorry, John Harbaugh must have seen, you know, something in him that he was like, hey, this, this kid's got something. Um, so I believe it might have still been Wink Martindale calling the calling the shots there on defense, something, maybe, not 100% sure. Either way, John uh, sent him to Michigan with Jim. Um, he was calling plays for them on defense. Obviously had a ton of success, kind of helped bring them back to relevancy. And then Jim sent him right back to John, and he immediately became the defensive coordinator. So they literally just just passed him back and forth and taught him how to be a good defensive play caller. So that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. Um yeah, this is, I mean, this is the ultimate example of the youth movement that's kind of happening with coaches. I believe Gerard Mayo was the youngest head coach in football for a whole, like, week, week. something like yeah. that. And McDonald officially took that over. But, yeah, more than anything, I think, like, I don't know, like, w- when you think of the Seahawks, especially, like, in our lifetime, that it's, it's Legion of Boom. It's, like, just an absolutely ferocious defense, and it, it kind of makes me think that Seattle maybe wants to get back to that a little bit in, in a more modernized way, I suppose. Um, so I'm very excited. There's a lot of talent for him to be able to, you know, kind of get his hands on. And it all, like, because of how much talent that team has, I would like to think that they would have been a pretty high-profile destination. So it definitely feels like the Seahawks, like, probably wanted him for a lot of the cycle and, and got their guy. So I'm a big fan of it. Uh He's young, so that my one drawback would be, you know, we're probably going to find out pretty quickly if he's built to be a head coach. But, uh, you know, I, th- I think Kyle Hamilton during the Pro Bowl said that he's, like, one of the, like, absolute, like, brightest guys he's been around, like, in a in a locker room on a football field. So some high praise from one guy who he, you know, turned into an all-pro. Not that he maybe wouldn't have been already, but, like, found the perfect role for him. So he... More than anything, he feels like a guy that is going to do what needs to be done with the talent. I think he actually said in his first press conference, like, I think someone asked him, like, are you are you planning on bringing some things that you did in Baltimore to Seattle? And I think his answer was, well, well, I don't know what we're good at yet. And I thought that is a perfect answer as a coach. Jack, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I like it. I'm not too like crazy. Like, I don't have too much of like a strong opinion on him, but I I think he I, I mean, he clearly did a great job with the Ravens defense this past year. Um, as much as I'm glad he's out of the division as a coordinator. Um, so 
I mean, I have no reason to not think he'll be a good head coach, like leader type guy. I mean, he seems likable. Um, you outlined his story with being passed around the Harbaugh's. Is in my head, I feel like I have this like fan fiction played out where it's like Har- John Harbaugh says like Mike McDonald. I mean, he was with the Ravens from what 2014 to 2020 as like a defensive assistant linebackers coach. And he's like, you're not ready to be a defensive coordinator. I'm going to send you to my little brother in college. You're the chosen one. Yeah, you're the chosen for one. For a year to learn how to do it. And then he That's did. pretty much what happened. He's John Harbaugh's, or Jim Harbaugh's DC. And then he's like, brought back Jim, a year later. I guess he was Jim, ready Jim. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Jim called John one night and was just like, he's ready. <laughs> yeah. And he got sent back up to the big leagues and DC yeah. for the Ravens. So interesting works. story there. Or that's a fake story, but it was a maybe <laughs> interesting path. You, 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 you convinced me. Yeah, it sounds um, believable. I'm gonna go with it. It's yeah. so weird looking on his on his Wikipedia page, like it's Ravens nuts. for Ravens for seven years, one year at Michigan, then back to the wow. Ravens for two yeah. or three years. Yeah, he literally said, "Go, go, learn, come back," and he did. Just to cap off this whole, I, mean, I guess we're doing head coach head coaches now, like. Sean McVay was hired when he was 30 to be the head coach of the Rams. I, I was just going to, that, that, that's the last thing I was going to say to, to Shreff that McVay is still the third youngest head coach and he's going yeah, into his not, eighth year. Yeah, he's, yeah, like the, like, he's like, he's like, yeah. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall for like that original interview just to like hear him talk at that age and hear what he had like. Because like at that age, like he had to have been so impressive in that interview. <laughs> yeah, 30 is crazy. I bet like half the team was older than him. I they definitely were. Yeah, right. Crazy. All right. Uh final segment of the show here. Just kind of talk about a little open-ended segment, kind of talk about um some under the radar non-head coaching uh hires that we liked. Uh I, I don't have one in particular. I was gonna mention Bill Callahan before we we kind of talked about him already when we when we oh, were talking yeah, about Brian. Um but I do think we should have a quick word. I feel like it'd be weird if we didn't about Ben Johnson. I know we, yeah. we mentioned his name in here, but that was perhaps the most shocking news out of all of this was Ben yeah. Johnson returning to the lions for a third straight season. I mean, how that is, that's unheard of for a guy that is that, that, you know, that sought after and that touted just to return again. I mean, that that's, that's great. I mean, obviously, you know, the Lions having Lions fans and their and their organization having a tough week um after the collapse in the NFC championship game but I mean hey th- this was at least a consolation prize of some sort you know getting back your uh offensive coordinator that's perhaps I don't even say perhaps it is the best in the league um I mean what do you guys think went on here do you think since the Lions made it all the way to the NFC championship game and by then, there were really only two openings left. I'm sure he was having com- some conversations and considerations with teams, but do you think he just got down to it and was like, "Ugh, Washington, I don't want to go there. I'm just going to wait till maybe next year and uh, see if I like an opportunity better." Like, what, what what do you think went down? I know it's all kind of speculation, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, they, I I come at it from two different ways. I think on one end. I do want to, like, at the end of the day, I want to give a ton of props to Dan Campbell. Like, it, it's been obvious kind of for a while here that he's built, like, a different type of culture in that locker room. 
Um, but it seems like it's fully rubbed off into the assistant coaches too because the underrated part of it too is I'm assuming this means that Aaron Glenn's coming back as well, right, as the defensive coordinator who was also getting a, a ton of interviews. Um, so like clearly they, they are down to ride for this team. Now, the flip side of it, from what has been reported, um, it, it sounds like Johnson's asking price might have been a lot, um, not just monetarily wise, because I, I don't think that would be an issue, but it, it, it sounded like there might have been kind of a Harbaugh-esque situation in terms of kind of wanting a little more, or like a belt, not Belichick in terms of like having all the control, but definitely wanted like a decent amount of input in terms of offensive personnel. For me personally, if I'm the commanders, I don't think that, I don't know if that would have been a holdup for me seeing seeing what he's done. But on the flip side, there's that other report that came out about him like calling them to officially say he didn't want the job like while they were in the air, like on the flight over to interview him and Aaron Glenn. Um, so I don't know. While, while I do want to give props to Dan Campbell for like getting these guys to stay and want to be there, it, it feels to me that Johnson might have, I don't know, maybe like, I don't want to say like gotten ahead of himself because like he clearly was like the top, one of the top options going into this cycle. But I don't know. It feels like maybe he maybe asked for a little too much off the bat and didn't, didn't negotiate too much. I don't know if I buy in too much of that report of him asking too much. I don't know either. I don't know what to think, but it's like, it makes like, I don't know what other option makes sense besides, I guess he just really wanted to stay in Detroit, but that's what I tend to believe. Like it's, it's the perfect situation as a coordinator. Like you're so close. Like why not stay in that perfect situation rather than, go to Washington and inherit like such a mess and like you have so much more responsibility and so much more pressure. I mean, yeah, I guess you're getting paid a lot more or he's asking to get paid a lot more maybe, but um, the Seattle job's a little more attractive. So that's, it was another option available. I don't know how he did have plans to meet with them that this past week before he changed, said no or like whatever, just said he's going to stay um, and just declined. But, you know, I I uh, I get it. Uh, I get I get why he'd want to stay. You know, being a head coach, I guess it's what a lot of these guys aspire to do. But it's a tough job. It's it's so it's you're the CEO of a major company. Like it's one of like the you can view it as like one of the top thirty two companies in the world in the U.S. It's like it's uh. Yeah. It's so much responsibility. I mean, being OC is too, but um, you split it in half, though, in terms of the yeah, and less than that, even. And it's like, and he, he, you know, and there's so much unknown with the situation you're going into. It's just a lot of security there, and he knows that is that that those opportunities and better opportunity head coaching opportunities will probably be there next year for him. So it's not going away. So he probably he's smart. He probably wants to just take the very the best opportunity he can as a head coach. And maybe he didn't view Seattle as attractive as I think it is, or many others. But Washington sure sure as hell isn't isn't a marquee place to go to. So I want to give credit to uh, I was listening to CBS's fantasy football podcast, Fantasy Football Today, and they brought it up here. And I don't, I don't want to. Get your hopes up, Shreff, but you know, say what if the Eagles like have another bad year? Yeah. No, or the Eagles. It's, it's certainly it's, a thought. 
same with the Bills. Like, what if the Bills have like another first round exit and they're like, uh, McDermott can't get the job done, right? And then what if the Cowboys have another? Oh my! Imagine Ben Johnson with Josh Allen. Yeah, that'd be that'd be that'd be insane. Yeah, still the homes over there. Uh, okay. You guys can bring up uh, anyone you want uh, that we didn't really mention. I feel like I know who Jack might mention, so I'm gonna go with me. Shane Waldron, the bear, the new Bears OC. Um, I enjoyed what he did in Seattle. Um, him and Canales seem to kind of be a, a little bit of a duo, the kind of the main year of Gino's resurgence. Um, this past year obviously didn't quite go as well as they would have expected, but I still enjoyed what I saw. And I, I still thought Gino, for the most part, outside of, you know, he, he was turning the ball over a little bit more, but I, I, I still thought he looked, you know, similar to what he did last year. So it, it's clear that what Waldron was doing there worked. Um, I would say out of all the head coaches that retained, like as much as I hate that Sirianni got retained, I, I was shocked that they kept Iberflus. Like very, very shocked. I thought he was like a shoe-in to get, to get booted, especially with the number one pick and like a lot riding on what this offseason is going to mean. Um, so with all that being said, if you're going to keep him and you're going to go that route, I, I feel like they made a very good hire. Um, on top of that, in terms of like a writing on the wall situation, I believe Shane Waldron either like owns or is like a partner in a like a QB development camp type of thing, like a summer training thing that like a lot of like draft prospects will go to. And their top client this offseason happens to be Caleb Williams. So just a thought, um, you know. I'm not exactly sure if there's like a, already a relationship between Waldron and Williams, but I mean, there clearly has to be some form of connection there considering it's his company that he's work that he's working with. Um, so something to consider, but I, I more wanted to bring Waldron up just to also highlight the fact that I think it's ridiculous that the bears retained Eberflus considering the off season that they have approaching them. Mitchell, are you there? I think you went to the to the bathroom. Oh, okay. But you uh, yeah, I feel I like heard... I knew what you were gonna say, so I so I didn't want to say it, but I feel like I know where you were gonna go. Uh, maybe I will. But my thoughts, quick thoughts on Waldron. I I don't have a uh, not too strong about him, but yeah, I I that report of like the Kale Williams connection, I'm just fully like convinced that they're gonna they're not. Well, it's also they're just not trading uh, that pick. They're going to take him, and like, yeah, why would they? Correct. Like, anyway, I mean, yeah. we'll get into this. Uh, we'll get into this later throughout the off season. But they like, there's a very clear direction that they need to go with this. And if they don't, boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Who's your guy, Jack? Uh, well, I had the I have two quick ones, I guess. The one because I thought he would be brought up already, but Zach Robinson. Correct. I didn't want to bring him up when we talked about Morris because yeah. I figured you were saving him. Yeah, I thought it was uh he was I really, really wanted him for the Steelers offensive coordinator's position and uh was the the is exactly what you want. Like a, a young guy, I think he's thirty nine, thirty eight. Um, thirty seven. Okay, even better. He was the uh passing game coordinator 
for the Rams since 2019. So he's was there with Jared Goff for a season or two, and then Stafford came. They won a Super Bowl together. Cooper Cup won a Triple Crown. Developed Puka Nakua this past year. Um, I mean, it's exactly what I want our the Steelers passing game revitalized. And um, I think he'll be great as an OC for whoever the the Falcons bring in a guy or draft a guy. So um, a lot of optimism there from me uh, around Zach Robinson. And I mean, I want Steelers interviewed him and I really want us to get him, but I could tell everyone kind of wanted him so he kind of had his pick of where he wanted to go and made sense he came over with uh raheem morris from the rams so yeah um i was gonna say i think i think for me in terms of like overall coaching staffs i think the falcons might might be my favorite in terms of like defensive play caller offensive play caller duo i do also want to shout out denard wilson who's the new titans defensive coordinator that's the other one that's the the other one Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Raven, the former, well, it, it starts part of it. He starts as an, he, he kind of, the name started popping up with the Eagles um, when Gannon left and they started interviewing guys. Darius Slay was one of the very first to come up and say, uh, hey, Denard Wilson should be, should be the guy. Made it very clear. Obviously did not work out. He goes to Baltimore, um, becomes, I believe, the defensive backs coach with McDonald there uh, leading the charge. Um, seemingly had a great season. I mean, we saw Kyle Hamilton. Um, I think that's kind of all that has to be said. Uh, the track record has continued to be good. And in a situation where McDonald left, I figured Wilson would have been like the shoe in like, all right, here we go. This is our new guy. And the Titans got him. So very impressive work by them to get him out of there. Um, but yeah, that was the other one that I thought. So we were on the same page there. Yeah. Everything I read about Wilson, like he's beloved everywhere he's gone. He's been like, even before the Eagles, he was with like the Jets and the Rams, I think, in the defensive back secondary coach. Um, yeah, did a great job with the Ravens this year, obviously, in their secondary turned Hamilton into an all pro and a second year player and um what's his name? Geno Stone had seven picks and yep. they led the league in like passes defended, passer rating allowed. Uh, I think their first and takeaways and um, yeah, so I, it's a great hire by uh, by the Titans. That might there. be the other team along with the Falcons that I might like their overall staff. I yeah. like their Callahan and him. I think is going to be a fun a fun duo. A lot of a uh, lot of moving around. A lot of moving a lot around. Of That's a lot of hope. A lot of optimism. Um, and yeah, I mean, we have the Super Bowl next weekend, but after that, we go right back to the reset button. Everyone's zero and zero, and and uh, and we yeah, and, I, yeah, every, exactly. Everyone thinks they can win it all the, the following year, right? And we have best time of the year, free agency and the Not draft. So yeah, but yeah, it, it, there is truly is no off season. Uh, no off button. Most likely, most most likely, like more often than not, the best you'll feel about your team is going to be these next like three months. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, for most franchises, that that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any closing remarks? I know we kind of covered a lot today, but uh, anything else you guys want to say before we sign off? Go coaches. Yeah.
Good luck, coaches. Yeah, like, like Jack said, it's a, it's a it's a tall task to to run one of these teams. All right, folks, that's our episode today. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, we will be back next week with our Super Bowl preview. Close out our pick segment for the year. Preview the big game. And uh, yeah, don't don't want to miss that one. So please tune in. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week with uh, our our Super Bowl preview.